This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project. You're tuned to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawks Bay. This is a program called Real Wealth, and it's our pleasure, as always, to have in the studio Glenn Trillo from the Stewart Group. How are you going, Glenn? Very well, thanks, Ken. Before we get into today's topic, which is uh, one that everyone is going to be dead keen to hear, just remind our listeners where the Stewart Group is and what you guys actually do. Yeah, sure. So we're at 204 Camera Road North in Hastings. Um, so we're, we're financial planners, uh, well, goals-based financial planners. So we um, help invest people's funds. We do... Um, find out what their goals and objectives are and set up a financial plan to help them achieve them long term. And we also do KiwiSaver and also risk insurance as well. It's like a one-stop shop for investing, isn't it? It is really, yeah. It's a family-owned company. Um, we've seen a few cycles and been around a few moons now. Yeah, been there for 31 years, I believe. We have, yep. And uh, you're all qualified, that's the main thing. Certainly are. We are we're all um, authorised financial advisors. Um, and there's quite a bit of um, work going on in the industry at the moment, and um, they're looking at uh, regulation and qualifications of advisors. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a tightening around that space, mm-hmm. but you know we're we're well set up for it. So why would I rather come and see uh, the Stewart Group as opposed to going to see the guy at the bank? Sure. So guy at the bank, they they very much. Well, first of all, they what they call a QFE. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, what it means is they can only sell, if you will, or recommend bank products. Okay. So we are independent. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. We. I mean, we have some preferred partners that we uh, work alongside, but I can go hold of market if I need to and do a quite a bespoke solution for somebody if we require. And that's the other thing, isn't it? You guys, because you do what you do, you're not tied into someone for a soft dollar. No, we're not. We're not. We're, um, not at all. We don't get any um, commissions, mm. no backhanders. Uh, we are fee only. Um, we're very transparent on, on the fees that are charged because you know, fees are important and as an investor, you need to know what it is that you're paying. Um, but yeah, it, it keeps us independent because if you're getting a commission from somebody, unfortunately, yes. um, yeah, you may be swayed to take an option that's not best for the client. Okay, today's topic is the top 10 investment guidelines, mm. and uh, coming at the top of the list is uh, let the market work for you. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, um, to give you an idea, in Australian dollars worldwide, there's about $532 billion Australian wow. that is traded every day. It's okay. a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of money. There's an awful lot of trades. And when you think about a, um, a well-developed um, equity market, the price of those shares reflect all the market participants. So there's millions of market participants, mm-hmm. and it reflects all the available information. So I guess somehow if you're trying to beat or time the market – then you are, you are trading or, or you think you have greater knowledge than all of these market participants and there's something that you know that they don't. Mm. And that, that is very rarely ever the case. Yeah. So um, you know, let the market work for you. And that's a long-term thing, isn't it? Very much a long Yeah, it is. Um, you know, if you're going into equities, you should be looking at about seven to eight years as a minimum. Mm. If you're going into bonds or fixed interest, you're looking at about four, three to four years as a minimum time frame. Okay, the, uh, the next one on the list is investment is not speculation, although some what we've just talked about actually might just sort of be um, contrary to that. 
Yeah, it is. And um, speculation is what the media likes to um, promote. Um, they don't tend to promote true investment. Okay, so a lot of it's just short-term stuff. Um, it's headline-grabbing. Um, is the next hot thing that you should be getting um, on board. And something, we've spoken about this before, mm. and it's gone off the radar a bit now, and that's Bitcoin. Yes. Um, so, you know, um, uh, we were looking at this just this morning, and Bitcoin in December, middle of December, I think it was about eighteen or 19,000 US dollars, is now about 6,500 US dollars for a Bitcoin. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, but that was driven up by speculation. Yeah. Um, so it's not an investment, it is um, speculation, and it's important that you understand the difference between true investing and just speculation. Speculating is okay, as long as you're putting in a sum of money which is, it's a gamble, it's a bet, it's mm. going to the TAB. So where do you get that uh, best information from about investing and speculating? I mean, there must be people who are make their make their lives out of speculation, and I guess they might even come and see you. So if you look, I want to, you know, I'm not quite play the pokies, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. Um, and look, uh, I mean, some people do make money out of speculation, and some people make money um, out of actively managing their investments, trying to pick and time the market. Those who do that, they will have some great wins. But it's usually very short-lived because mm. they have a lot of losses as well because trying to beat the market is just so um, so difficult. If you think about risk and return are absolutely related. So we know that equities or shares will outperform bonds long-term or fixed interest. Okay, So, so, we, so that's pretty much a given. Um, but there's more risk. Well, not so much risk. There's more volatility in the share market than there is in the bond market, okay? And so therefore, you invest in shares, you expect to get a better return um, than bonds. So it is related. Can we uh, compare the share market to Bitcoin? I mean, you know, you can buy a program which follows Bitcoin and it, it's it's buying and selling Yep. Yeah, in you, a split you, second. Can you do that with the share market? You can buy, well? yeah, absolutely you can. And um, there's, if you go on the internet, there's, there's, a, there's a heap of different programs that you can um, opt into and purchase. Um, and it will do the trading for you. It will um, try and um, identify new opportunities for you. Once again, that's active active management. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a pretty dim view of these. <laughs> uh, you know, um, there's a cost to doing. And also, just keep in mind that the more trading you do, and one of the points that um, um, we'll cover today is cost, because cost mm-hmm. matters. The more trading that you do the more costly it is, because every time you buy and every time you sell a share, there's a cost or there's a brokerage for doing so. Mm. And so if you try to actively pick and time the market and you do all this trading, after cost, you're probably, long-term, almost certainly you're going to end up at a market return which is lower than what the market has actually offered investors. Yeah, Mm. which uh, is a great segue into our next one coming at number three on the list is take a long-term view. Very much so. Um, so we know long term, if you're an investor in the share market or even in bonds, you will get a better rate of return than putting your money in a bank account. So that's an expectation. Otherwise, you, you wouldn't do it. You'd just put your money in a nice, safe return deposit. Um, so you have an expectation as an investor long term to get market return and outperform bank deposit. If someone says to you, what will that return be? I mean, I know it's sort of how long is a bit of string, but what sure. might you be saying to them? So if you were to take a balanced approach, um, you know, 50% shares, 50% bonds, you're looking after cost, 
say seven and a half ish percent per annum. That's pretty good. A yeah, that, that's pretty good. You know, seven, seven and a half percent. That's that's a reasonable rate of return. You'll see some years that it will be double digit mm-hmm. returns. The odd period of time, you may see a negative return. But long term, um, you have an expectation as an investor to outperform what you would have in a in a regular bank savings account. Okay, let's consider the drivers of returns. I sound like I know what I'm saying when I say that. <laughs> yeah, what it does. It? I, mean, I don't even know what it means. What does it mean? <laughs> so the, the first the first thing is, and we've um, we've just mentioned it, of course, is that you have an expectation if you invest in the share market to outperform if you left the money in the bank. And if you go into a little bit further, shares will outperform bonds. Okay. And going to further again, smaller companies have historically outperformed large companies. Value companies have outperformed growth companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to, it's not just a case of, I guess, blindly putting your money into the share market. You need to come up with a strategy which captures market returns, that understands that certain parts of the market will outperform others, but it comes with volatility. And to engage with somebody that can give you the advice to, um, depending on what your risk appetite, and what I mean by that is whether or not it keeps you awake at night if you see your mm. the values go up and down, something that accommodates that in your long-term goals. I wonder, we uh, you're probably doing this on purpose, you haven't mentioned housing as, a, as an investment. Are we yep. particularly focusing on the share market? Because I might suggest to you that if we bought a house today, and uh, the way the market is still trending, mm. we sold it in three or four years' time, unless, of course, this Labor government gets its hands on your money, um, that we would we'd probably make more money out of the house, wouldn't we? Well, that's getting a, b- b- a little bit political <laughs> there, Ken. Um, yeah, look, um, there is no doubt that for a good number of years now, housing has done extraordinarily well. Um, having said that, the share market has done very, very well mm. as well. If you look at the New Zealand share market over the last, say, four years, it's given us double-digit returns year on year. Yeah. So it hasn't just been about housing. Um, the concern with housing, of course, um, and look, I've, I own a house. I've owned rental properties in the past as yeah. well, um, is this tax working group. Yes. And some of the things that may come out of that were capital gains tax. Um, we're seeing more things in the media. The government's looking at landlords ensuring that a warrant of fitness type standard mm-hmm. for their housing. And I see just this morning that um, some landlords are saying that, look, I'm going to get out of rental properties because it's just becoming yeah, too, hard. too hard. So it comes with its challenges as well. Now, we have talked many times over the, the last year or so that the housing is in a bit of a bubble, but you could also say the same for shares. I mean, like you say, they've been tra- tracking really well. Yeah, they have been, and globally they've been mm. tracking well. Um, we've had a couple of small hiccups this year. Um, in fe- early February, we've had a um, quite a significant drop in the US share market, um, single-day drop, but it's come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see between China and the US, there's a bit of a tariff more, mm, if you yes. will, going on at the moment. There's a concern there that it may go into something bigger. Um, but at any given time, there's something going on globally. Yeah. Um, so shares have um, have performed well. Um, will there be a correction? Well, shares, there'll always be a correction from time to time, and there needs to be a correction. They can't just keep going up, because if there's not small corrections along the way, it's a bubble. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when there is a correction, if you see prices dip a bit, for the savvy investor or the people with spare funds, 
that's an opportunity to buy stock at a lower cost. Yeah, it's a funny thing why they call it a bubble, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And um, I think you look at the housing market, no matter what metric you apply to the housing market, it all leads to we're in a bubble. Mm. It, it just completely divide, defies almost all the metrics, and I would say we're in a bubble. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it it has been going up. And we've been in that bubble for about seven or eight years. Yeah, we have been. Um, but certainly 2007 was about the height of the last property mm-hmm. boom, if you will. But then we went through a period whereby from about 2007 to about 2013, 14, there was no market movement in the Hawke's Bay, mm. okay, and for much of New Zealand. Look so at it now. Look at it now. Yeah, right. Mm. Tell us about uh, avoiding market timing. We sort of touched yep. on it lightly already, but yeah, and that's coming back to this idea about actively managing um, your investments to try and chase higher than market return. So what we believe is, if you go out and actively chase a higher than market return. Long term, you will actually underperform the market. Mm-hmm. And the reasons for it is one, how do you outsmart the market? All these millions of um, participants, all this information, and you're supposedly, and this is the same for uh, fund managers, how do you outsmart the market year on year? You basically can't. Um, over 80% of active managers who try to do that underperform the market after fees because there's a lot of fees that are charged when you constantly buy and sell. Mm-hmm. So I think long-term, trying to outsmart the market, market time, buy and sell, get out of the market when you think it's going down and get back in at the right time, you'll never successfully do that right. long-term. And if I came to you and said, look, I've been in the share market for seven years, and you say that you know, there's a bit of a change, you've got to wait seven years before it to come right, would you advise me then... To move those on, or would you say, look, hang on, or, or would you say, look, it's your call? Yeah, I think it really comes down to what your your personal situation is, what your long-term goals and objectives are. I'm not an advocate for pressing or knee-jerk reaction when you think something's going to happen in the market to pull out of something, mm-hmm. okay? Because one, you may get it horribly wrong, and two, it is a long-term investment, Um if you have a disposition that you're going to have a knee-jerk reaction every time because something happens in the world, you probably shouldn't be in the investment no. game. You should be putting your money in a turn deposit. Exactly. Mm. And uh, the next topic is uh, manage your emotions. And I might suggest to you that uh, the share market will be much more emotional than a bricks and mortar. It is. Yeah, yeah there, there's no doubt about it. Um, the shares... We know that the values go up and down. Long term, they go up considerably more than they go down, and they'll give you a strong rate of return. Um, utopia for an investor is that they buy on the low when yep. the unit prices are low, and they sell when they're high. That's utopia. The majority of investors um, with knee-jerk reaction, unfortunately, do the exact mm-hmm. opposite. Yep. They don't want to buy when they're low because they're scaremongering in the media, and the media saying, you know, there's... Um, there's panic selling and all the rest of the carry-on that they like to, attention grabbing and like to do. Um, and then when they see a particular stock or they see the stock market go up considerably and quickly, a bit of greed takes over and they want to get on the back of that bandwagon and then they start investing money. So they, it's sort of counterintuitive. They do the opposite of what they should be doing. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier about headlines, how they can make or break a market. And yep. an interesting one this week was uh, the CEO of Tesla. Well, yes. you tweeted about um, 
going private, was it? Or? That's right, yeah. and that, that drove the stock price up. Mm. Um, so he, I'm a little bit vague exactly what happened there. I, I know the headlines that you're talking about. He's been fined $20 million, yeah. dollars, I believe, and he's had to step down as CEO or something along those lines right. for six months. And uh, the company got fined $20 million, that's US dollars, $60 million our dollars. That's right. So I think it was seen as um, Tesla driving their stock price mm. up, um, which is a, uh, a little bit illegal. So he had an out-of-court settlement. Um, so, so that's disappointing to see that sort of thing happen. Um, but you know, look, be, look beyond the headlines. I mentioned to you earlier that the US market in early February had the single largest day drop in a number of years. Okay, And at that time... Globally, the media are saying there's blood on Wall Street, there's yeah. panic selling. Okay, so if there's panic selling, there must have been panic buying because mm. you can't sell something unless you have a buyer. No, that, they didn't report right. that. Yeah, of course okay? they don't. So for all those people who knee-jerk reaction, couldn't control their emotions, went to market and sold, there was another um, investor saying. Well, I can buy the same stock today at a lower cost than I could last week. This is great. But they're only reporting one side of the coin. So look beyond the headlines and just you know, control your emotions. What about keeping costs low? What does that mean? I mean, there are fixed costs, and how can you? Absolutely, there are. Costs matter. So costs come directly of your return as an investor. And there's two sides to this coin. Um, one is... If you are buying and selling trades or shares regularly, you're going to incur a cost. So brokerage is going to be half a percent to one percent to buy mm-hmm. and the same to sell. Um, it's not tax deductible, so it's a direct cost to you as an investor. So the more you do it, the more it's going to cost you. So there, there's that side to it. The flip side to it is don't be afraid also to except that there is a cost to be in the market and to seek advice because if you don't seek advice, if you get the wrong advice, it can cost you a lot more. But costs do matter. So so think about costs when you're investing your funds and who you choose to go with. Dead right. And the last one coming at number 10 on your list is uh, focus on what you can control. Yep. Well, you can't really control anything, can you? Well, you can't control the market, and I think you need to accept that, um, yes, long-term, you'll get the market return. The market will outperform money in the bank, but it won't be there every day, every month, every year. Okay, So expect to get a, um, a, a strong return long-term, but you won't get it every other month. And there will be some times in, um, that the market will not give you that return that you're expecting. So control what you can control. Stay in your seat. Make sure that you get advice up front, that how you invest your money is well diversified, um, and that it matches your risk, your appetite for risk mm. as well. Because there's no good going into a having an investment portfolio, which is mostly shares, which is going to give you volatility that you're not comfortable with. So it needs to match your risk profile. Good on you, Glenn. As was a pleasure. Before I let you get back to work, just remind our listeners, if we want to come and see you for some advice on investing, where are you? Sure. So we're at 204 Caramel Road, North and Hastings. Our phone number is 878-8961. Till the next time. Great. Thanks, Glenn.
This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this programme available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project.